0: So this month, I thought that it'd be fun to talk about time-space, which we've alluded to wanting to have a deeper discussion on time-space for a while, I think. And this is equivalent to um, the metaphysical dimensions or the inner planes. And I think it's not equivalent to the unconscious mind, although there's some overlap in the discussion of what is possible with the unconscious mind, such as with dreams and the exploration of time-space, I believe. And so this is something I want to understand more and try to figure out. But I'm curious if you have any thoughts, um, if you guys have any thoughts on that, what I just said.
1: Um, You know, to the extent that we, um, the unconscious mind, perhaps as either pre-programmed before incarnation or as accumulated experiences through an incarnation, um, I feel like that has to be recorded somewhere somewhere you know, beyond necessarily the physiological, obviously for uh, karmic requirements and things like that. So um, I expect that that portion would seem to be on um, inner planes or um, outside of space and time anyway. So I don't know archetypically if that falls under experience. I've been thinking about some of that recently and wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about will and desire and memory and things like that and how those fall into archetypes. But I, I think that some of that, kind of has
2: to live in time space.
0: And did you have any thoughts on that, Nathan, that statement I said in the email?
2: Yeah, I kind of agree with what what your initial take on that as well, too, where it's not totally congruent with the unconscious mind as in time space, but it seems like there's definitely some correlations on there. So I think of like dreaming, too, you're not always you're, you're consciously aware of it when you come back to space time here and you can remember some of your dreams unless you're Lucid dreaming, but it just seems like there's other ways to enter time space and be consciously aware of it while you're there. So I feel like that's like a dimension of the unconscious mind that uh, is kind of part of it that I don't know has a little bit of differences that way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, certainly we could get into um, discussions of people having like DMT trips where they're flipped into the astral planes and the astral planes, what people are calling astral planes might be more so what we're calling time space and metaphysical dimensions and the unconscious mind might just be something that is, you know, always with us as with the conscious mind, always with us, um, as we're exploring with mind, body, spirit in both time, space and space time, um, with this vehicle. Um, but yeah, I thought that uh, a good starting point for this discussion would be, um, session 79, where Ra referenced uh just or alluded to the fact that um, in uh, question 20 here, when they were asking about the uh, Don asked about the archetypes that were prior to the extension of the first distortion, this was the earlier part of the galaxy's evolution. but this also applies roughly to right now with um, the basics of the foundational archetypes of the matrix potentiator significator, and they were asked Don asked about the nature of these three original, Um, types of archetypes across mind body and spirit that existed at that time and i I might as well read this whole thing just so we have a foundation again Um, and the matrix of mind is that which from all comes it is unmoving yet is the activator and potentiation of all mind activity the potentiator of the mind is that great resource which may be seen as the sea into which the consciousness dips ever deeper and more thoroughly in order to ide- to create, ideate, and become more self-conscious. So right here we have the discussion of the unconscious mind and the potentiator of the mind, um, which allows the um, appreciation of ideas and becoming more self-conscious um, through exploration of that unconscious aspect of the self, of the mind. And the significator of each mind-body-spirit may be seen as a simple and unified concept, Um, which this this statement alone is kind of confusing uh, because this is, this is one concept we're talking about, which is that there is a simple and unified concept that a significator represented, I believe is what this means. Um, um, Right now, since the significator after the veiling is complex, I think the significator of mind, body, and spirit is not a simple concept, but is a complex concept, um, and whether or not you would call that unified, I think, is up to the person having that that concept. Um, but yeah, that, that's maybe a separate discussion, too. Once uh, if we dig into significators? I want to dig into that more. Um, and, and the matrix of the body. So we're not, we've gone from talking about the matrix of mind, potentiator mind, a significator mind. Um, that the matrix of the body may be seen as to be a reflection in opposites of the mind that is unrestricted motion the potentiator of the body is then is that which that which being informed regulates activity so um the regulation of the unrestricted motion of the body is what the potentiator is doing so that's kind of like the equivalent of the unconscious explored by the um by the body is is that is that regulator that regulator of activity which they also call wisdom or the sage, um, the matrix of the spirit is difficult to characterize since the nature is, the nature of spirit is less motile, which means capable of movement. So they started out talking about the, um, the unmoving mind and then the unrestricted motion body. And now we're talking about the the less motile spirit, the less movable spirit, um, less capable of movement the energies and movements of the spirit are by far the most profound so there are movements to the spirit but and they are the most profound yet having more close association with time space do not have the characteristics of dynamic motion and this might even be a good stopping point right now um what are the, what are the characteristics of dynamic motion that, that they might be referring to here because this is a clue into what what is this uh, close association with time-space, this the metaphysical dimensions that spirit is moving in in this profound way.
1: Yeah, I stopped and wondered that same thing when I was reviewing it and was wondering if this has to do with the relative nature of of space-time. Um, I'm just thinking of the word dynamic, and that generally is employing some sort of relationship between two things. And in space-time, that's... Um, that's possible, yeah. I suppose.
0: We could go down the list of definitions of a dynamic here and see which one All right. <laughs> makes the most sense. So a dynamic can mean of a process or system characterized by constant change, activity, or progress. So one could say that the nature of the spirit does not necessarily require constant change, constant progress. You can be very um, static in your, very immob- immobile in your spiritual progress. So that might make sense that the the dynamic change that's always happening with the physical and is usually always happening with, with the mind interacting with all these thoughts, maybe that is the kind of thing they mean by dynamic motion.
1: Well, so when I think of something like progress in this case, though, I have to go to the other archetypes and have to wonder what catalyst experience, yeah, and obviously ultimately what the significator decides, you know, means what progress is. And so when we look at just the matrix itself, it's saying you know, it's it's more or less or mostly unmoving. And as we circle this back, and I'm glad you you drew it back to the mind as well, I noticed the same thing in review is that two of these things say that they're not mobile. And yet in the matrix of the mind, it says it's it's unmoving. And then also that it creates, ideates, and whatever the third verb there seems, <laughs> to me seemed to be. And I'm like, well, you know, which is this? And And that was the question that I was actually gonna email you guys about earlier um, last week, I had it composed and never had sent, but I was trying to figure out um, where, you know, free will is exercised. And I know that the matrix of the mind obviously is, is called the will and the conscious mind. And then obviously the significator has to play a part there as well. And, and so then I still go into these little rabbit holes of the matrix of the mind is unmoving and yet it's also the will and, and like what's sort of um, activating things outwardly and i don't see how those are
0: reconciled but i'm hoping to well it's it, 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 there's always an interaction between the matrix and the potentiator to see the you know the the nature of the progression i think and certainly sure, what is the in that first paragraph where it says that it's unmoving
1: and yet the last um yeah so tension in mind um, so do you think that that um, the potentiator of the mind i guess what i was um reading that the last half of the sentence in order to create ideate and become more self-conscious that that was more a function of the matrix but i suppose in rereading this can we say that the potentiator of the, of the mind is more thoroughly uh creating ideating and becoming more self-conscious
0: um I guess it's the combination of of the two, which produces the wow. catalyst.
1: So consciousness in this case it's sort of referring to the two
0: of them collectively. I consciousness suppose. is the empty mind, the new mind. And then the the unconscious mind is is the fuel, I guess, for sure. that emptiness. Yeah.
1: But it's that it's that motion or the activating force or the the precipitating, you know, factor that causes one state to become another that I'm most looking at. I'm seeing these verbs like dips, yeah. creates, ideates, etc., and yet seeing that the matrix is unmoving and the the potentiator is still, you know, infinite potential. And yet I'm not sure exactly what its activated, you know, function looks like as well. Other than they come together and then you have a significator, right? in the context of this is really just the three. And it's can you really just have a matrix and a potentiator without a significator
0: i don't think so i mean that's how the the foundations of the universe required the whole the whole system to have the concepts the you know the the simple unified concept of what this is about what is going on with this interaction i think that's what the significator is bringing into light is is the nature of that interaction between the matrix and the potentiator I think that this is where the
1: the sacred geometry of the tetrahedron actually comes from because it starts as this triangle and then the fourth point. And so in this case, the triangle might be um Keter or you know, whatever you would call kind of the the highest light in this um, system. But anyway, the fourth point steps back away to see all three together and sort of decide what they are, what they mean. Yeah.
0: And I think that there, this you know, this may be a some more nuance in how we're supposed to view the archetypes because you know, you we are we are getting as as mind, body, spirit complexes, we get to choose when to become when to when to clothe ourselves with each archetype's persona. And so there is the, the the will, the the maybe the fool is the appropriate archetype here, the choice is the archetype that might be to some degree a progressing um the selection process of when we're activating each archetypal nature um the and the awareness of the purpose of the things in our mind would be the significator of, of mind that yeah, that's there, I would love and I know that that
1: that the, this isn't it but I that was what was I was wanting to really you know pick your guys's brain about recently here was how the will is sort of spread across those archetypes that we know are associated with it and then also where Desire, for example, it seems associated with will, but it's gonna have experience and some I guess everything sort of has
0: a little bit of every yeah. archetype in it. And what what did we end the last one with? It was the, the statement about the the archetypes are a resource for the development of will and faith. Yeah. And that's kind of an overarching theme, I suppose.
2: Exactly. it seems like a a cyclical process to me too where it's like you keep going through this you have the desire of the matrix you have these experiences that happen then from there and that's the current state and biases are then what your significator is so then you can kind of reintroduce the desire for new experiences but it'll all be based or seen through the significator of your past um, experiences that way yeah i don't know if that's necessarily right but that's just the I mean, I've kind of yeah. pictured the two, so it just kind of keeps progressing and keeps um moving in that direction back.
0: I assume that's more true with the complex significator as every every layer of lesson starts adding on to the previous ones and we we have a nature of identity which is bundled up into a complex idea of self,
1: yeah, and no that right there is sort of at the heart of you know what it is that I'm trying to I guess sort of figure out where like for example, the ego lives versus the higher self. And if I probe GPT about some of the law of one stuff, it'll tell me that the significator is sort of the essential self or the truest or highest self. And yet, um, to me, this thing that's deciding what everything means all the time, to me, feels very much lower in consciousness than that, because I'm assigning meaning to all facets of the illusion at all time, which I don't really think that my higher self would be doing
0: well ego is certainly a tricky word they you know when raw talked about the word ego they said this concept isn't very useful (laughs) and then when they did say it had meaning they were specifically saying in the context of the the yellow ray solar plexus you know blockages and distortions of just one particular chakra which is the one that's blocking the activation of the heart through the way we're perceiving ourselves in relation to others basically I could see why Ra might say that that word may not be as
1: useful because they're taking into account all of the connotations and current descriptions, definitions, and understandings of it, which are varied, obviously, and widespread yeah. from Jung and Freud and and everyone else. And so it's a little bit hard to use a word like that. And at the same time, I, you know I use it sort of interchangeably with the lower aspects of consciousness than thinking and feeling and things like that
0: yeah and if you think about identity and that identity they say all is identity and our identity can be in any one of these archetypes at any time we can just become that and that that's all we are is the purified archetype existing that's yeah
1: the the most beautiful way i've ever heard that said is you are who you say you are yeah and you are who you believe yourself to be. And, and that goes for archetypes obviously as well. And, uh, you know, most essentially I think that goes to archetypes.
2: Yeah. seems to be the ultimate expression of the archetypal mind and the best way to be of service is being able to consciously be able to enter what's needed in that current situation, um, at will. But, and as Mike said, the purified version of it,
1: well and i think that this is specific to the balancing exercises as well i've i've been thinking a lot about this and polarity and the choice and how these you know how this starts to make a little bit more practical sense so that if we're making an unconscious decision or if we have an unconscious reaction to something polarity is virtually none like so the analogy i'm always using about getting cut off in in traffic if if your range of reactions to that is somewhere between honking your horn and flipping somebody off your the amount of polarity that you've managed to to create in your consciousness about the total range of available options is very 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 small which means that the ensuing catalyst and, and benefit and all of that, I think is also going to be greatly minimized. Whereas stretching that out to to a very, very wide range of of possible reactions before making that choice, I think is what really drives polarity as it pertains to the choice. And so to that extent, I think that that creating that polarity means embodying the archetype that is going to be closest to those extremes that might be on either end of whatever spectrum of possibility that we're looking at. And I think that most of those lie between sort of the, the mercy and severity um, kind of aspects. And if you can embody one to and really embody it, it means that you're more fully polarizing and and creating a broader spectrum of available choices. And I think then when you make the choice, that that choice becomes far more powerful because it was chosen from a much broader range of possibilities.
0: Yeah, I think that the, I mean, a lot of what I see when I look at these uh, major arcana archetypes, they feel like connected to the middle pillar aspects of the um, the tree of life that you're talking about, where finding the the other side of it is, I think, maybe finding balance that is finding the purified um nature of that which is for example in traffic somebody randomly popping in in front of you that's some intense catalyst and you know the question is how are you going to how are you going to react to it and the the most pure way to react to it is to um increasingly see this as god is now coming to you to allow you to wake up to the truth of oneness and that kind of thing
1: well, oh, 100%, but I think that this is also reflected in when the student is ready, the teacher will appear, and that, frankly, that may be catalyst, to, and to the extent that it is catalyst, like when you said it's major catalyst, that for people who are sort of aligned to an experience or have an expectation of a different driving experience than that, then, yeah, that's sort of an easy catalyst, and yet I've always contended that there are other people who will get cut off and who will barely tap their brakes and keep singing along to the radio and and notice nothing at all. And, and therefore the exact same objectively same event happens to two two different people. And yet one catalyst is, is produced, but not objectively outside of that person, but entirely subjectively because of those predisposed expectations about the way that a commute is supposed to look.
0: Yeah. Let's, um, Yeah, I, I was reminded of this of this uh, quote here um, when they said that um, we observe your interest in the catalyst of pain. This experience is most common among your entities. The pain may be of the physical complex. More often, it is of the mental and emotional complex. In some few cases, the pain is spiritual in complex nature. This creates a potential for learning. The lessons to be learned vary. Almost always the lessons include patience, tolerance, and ability for the light touch. Very often the catalyst for emotional pain, whether it be the death of the physical complex of one other self which is loved, or some other seeming loss, will simply result in the opposite, in a bitterness, an impatience, a souring. This is catalyst which has gone awry. In these cases, then, there will be additional catalysts provided to offer the unmanifested self further opportunities for discovering the self as all sufficient creator containing all that there is and full of joy. Mm. It just keeps on coming to us if we don't see it. Yeah. And, and
1: that going awry there, um, just going back to our earlier mentioning of the course in miracles to me, that bitterness and patience, souring all of that is that um, perfectly tuned emotional guidance system that we have. And even though we, we don't interpret it correctly this paragraph right here literally just says says that whole thing to me it says it very clearly that um we fail to interpret when our emotions are telling us that we've got a completely false or limiting belief and the more bitter the more impatient the more sour we feel um, about it is a reflection of how more fully um we believe that uh, something that we're encountering is not of the one infinite Creator.
0: Yeah. So I, I would like to jump back into the, go back all the way back to the nature of spirit here discussion. All right. And, um. So we were we were talking originally about the the energies and movements of the spirit are by far the most profound, yet having more close association with time space do not have the characteristics of dynamic motion. And this, um, there was the other uh, concept that they they have a, a, when they're discussing the experience of the spirit, in that um, ma- many adepts remain groping in the moonlight; that they're not able to basically find the the true nature of spirit, spiritual energy, that true nature of the light, which is the sun, the significator of the spirit, that remains um, undiscovered by by even most adepts, apparently. And that, that to me suggests that there's, um, th- that might be why there's less movement also is because we're almost like in a, a room that, like like maybe the mind and the body are like being in a room or an environment which has a certain amount of lighting in that room. And so we're playing with, with the energies of that room, trying to build something with a little bit more light, not realizing that the light is not coming from the room itself. The light is coming from the, you know, the, the, the the nature of being which we are selecting which is the nature of the the self and time and, and the metaphysical dimensions and not you know the nature of self and the physical dimensions this is the byproduct of the of the of the choices of experience i guess of how much will and faith to use to pull in how much light how much love into the into this current moment um I think it kind of is a
1: reflection of what you're saying about identity as well, how much we're identifying as our space-time experience, as opposed to realizing how our space-time experience is only an analog and and a result and a reflection of what's going on in time-space.
2: Yeah. that's why I think if I could build off what you were saying there, Mike, it also has to do, the way we interpret spirit has to determine how, I guess, how distorted our mind and body are as well, because I think I said earlier in one of those other previous quotes that the mind and the body need to be of a certain level of balance before you can even begin to perceive the spirit. So you can have distorted views still, even viewing the spirit. So that's kind of the groping in the moonlight that I see as well, too. But it's uh, it's a complicated process, but it's affected by more than more of the mind and body as well, too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's
0: like the it's like we're training ourselves. Even as children, I suppose we're we're building up the ability to be less addicted to the the temptations of the sugary foods and the and the experiences around us that are um, making us so focused on all the things around us. And then once we're balanced enough to not be so, um, I guess, distracted. Maybe that's one way of looking at it. But but that go ahead. Which arcana is the potentiator
1: of the spirit? Is that, that is the lightning? The lightning. Okay, I didn't know if it was that or the
0: um,
2: the catalyst, but yeah, the
0: lightning struck tower.
2: Um, uh, next sentence in there actually talks about it, right? Then yeah, so yeah,
0: Leslie, one may see the matrix as the deep, the matrix of the spirit as the deepest darkness, and the potentiator of spirit as the most sudden awakening, illuminating and generative influence. So this is the nature of spirit, is the nature of the metaphysical planes more so which is that which can pull in the sudden awakening illuminating and generative influence which is like a lightning striking and it's interesting that that
1: lightning is the potentiator and not the catalyst to me or even the experience like to me when you bring lightning into the darkness it's like oh that must be what's here to change or that's what the experience is and yet that's
2: that's the potentiator
1: what is the what's the catalyst of the spirit the star ask that
2: that's actually one that confuses me as well too because it seems like that sudden illuminating is actually the catalyst being presented to you so i'm not entirely sure either andrew that was kind of one of my questions particularly to the spirit at least
1: yeah is the star um do we associate that with the sun specifically or or and not to get into the
0: astrological overtones that may have been added after the fact, but I want to. I, wanna... I certainly like to think of uh, the star as the the window into perceiving the sun, the beginning of the window, which they say, the, you know, the, originally this was most commonly called hope, but they say this, they prefer to call it faith. Um, so I I feel like, you know, light itself is the lightning to a degree light itself is is what's needing to enter the picture and then once it's entered the picture then you have an opportunity to have an observation and that that's coming from the the pinpoint which you're able to perceive with the with the experience of spirit in the moonlight you can perceive um what the catalyst was was there for and um yeah, I don't know if our words are going to make it easier for people to understand or not, but yeah, faith is the best word they had for it, I guess. And what's the experience? That's the moonlight. No, that's right. okay hmm. So I thought these these would be just maybe we can completely step back now and uh, and say this is this is our foundation for diving into um, the discussion of what what is actually the nature of time space as as we would directly experience it um as opposed to this broad philosophical concept of the archetypes which are informing our appreciation of the nature of spirit Um, and so to start with that one i thought i i I really loved um i'm going to go back to session 70 here Um, 70.12. So we don't have to read the question on this one. They said we refrained from speaking of correctness. Um, But they said, in time-space, which is precisely as much of yourself as is space-time, all times are simultaneous, just as in your geography, your cities and villages Just as in your geography, your cities and villages are all functioning, bustling, and alive with entities going about their business at once. So it is in time-space with the self.
1: I have one question to ask as we try to answer this exact thing here. Do you take this to mean that the entirety of you exists within space-time and time-space, or just that the amount of you that is in space-time obviously is equal to that which is in time-space, but that does this leave room for another aspect of self that exists in dimensions that are not time-space? So we talked about the inner planes and, you know, maybe slightly higher dimensional realities, but are higher and higher dimensional realities always still necessarily a part of the time-space paradigm, or is that really only kind of a three, four, and five type of thing. Or maybe three, four, five, six. And I'm not sure if I asked that question very well, but
0: there I, you I'll go. Let Nathan go first. Do you have any idea on that, Nathan?
2: <laughs> well, I guess from the little bit I guess I think might be grasping is I, I do think that there are time space levels, I guess, to it for different densities like that, if that's what you're asking, Andrew, like a third density time space, fourth density, yeah. time space. Um I, I think there's Differences to them like so that when you go to the inner planes, there are different levels and I I can't remember exactly where I'm drawing that from, but that was at least my take on it, but they can still communicate between the two. Sure.
1: So what I really want to feel here is that the spirit or perhaps the matrix of the spirit or the the most essential self exists in a, a state that transcends the time space and space time duality entirely and and maybe that's the unmoving part. Um, but the rest of time, space and space time, that seems to be densities and layers of consciousness that comprise, um, the body complex, soul body, energetic bodies, etc., and on down from there. But I'm, that's how I see this. And I'm, I'm not feeling that we exist entirely in our totality within one half of this paradigm or the other, but I do read this in what they say very straightforwardly, that it's precisely as much of yourself as in one, as is in, the other because they're reciprocal but i still feel that there's this more the monad you know the divine spark whatever you want to call it that that is what's coming down through this paradigm in this system to express in all the ways that we get to experience it
0: yeah it's it's always all the self it just depends on what what you mean by the self as to what you're looking at so
1: i'm in the highest identity i think the the aspect of self as Aspect of the one infinite Creator, and again the unchanging, unmoving—you know—that which exists outside of space-time. And I guess w- when I'm saying that, what I say exists outside of space-time, I think also exists outside of time-space. And I know that what's in space-time is a reflection of what's expressing in time-space. And yet, I'm still—I'm still feeling pretty resonant with the fact that there's something that's outside
0: of—yeah, of space and time, obviously, yeah. 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 Well, that, yeah, that's, that's a big discussion, I think, but it, I mean, that's getting the nature of the octaves and the nature of the creator too. Um, but I, I think for now, I think I want to, I want to, I want to um, get, get d- d- deep, dig into the nature of space time and time space and the relationship between them. Cause I think that'll be more informative to, for us just to understand what we're experiencing in, in mind body spirit complexes right now. And um, well, I guess another quote that I really liked um, was that when they described um, that space-time is um, is related to function. Um, find that quote here. Space-time relates to function, and time-space relates to being. Um I guess I guess that's essentially what we're talking about here though um, um but the the fact that all of our existence, when we're looking in the time space dimensions, which in a certain state of dreaming, which we'll talk about later, dreaming can open up the view of self across of all all of time, because that self is always accessible to us, I think that's why we have a higher self which is drawing from uh, you know the highest aspect of ourself for knowledge the totality mind by spirit complex totality that higher self aspect of us i think is communicating to us um through the the time space which is where we can we can um choose to hop ahead i think with with our our ability to internally go go and explore all of our future self in time and to a degree, I assume all of our past self is all, all all still being integrated into a path of no longer needing time to have an, our, our existence, and in theory, no longer needing space to incarnate in anymore after we learn all the lessons. Um, and our and I, and that, and I think that also relates to everyone learning all the lessons, because we're still here as one being trying to help itself. Um
1: I saw this reflected, believe it or not, in a headline actually yesterday or the day before that um, scientists have come out with a theory of um, paradox-free time travel. Um, and and to sum it up, it was that um, they decided, that, and how they did this mathematically, I couldn't begin to tell you, obviously, but they determined that mathematically, if someone were to go back in time and make a change that we would conceive of as causing a paradox, that they said that event, like if it were, um, um, I think the example they used were um, uh, an epidemic, for example, and they went back and tried to prevent it from breaking out, that they said that it would um, find another way to break out and that effectively it wouldn't actually change uh, much. And to your point about what you're talking about, lessons and kind of how we're talking about all this working in sort of this analog functioning, and then we describe it in how we perceive things in sort of the digital equivalent, um, I think that's even what they're saying is that they're just saying, you know, from an analog uh, perspective, from a time space, from a spiritual perspective, the higher self is going to call forth what needs to be called forth in order for the lessons to be learned. And there isn't really any getting around that. But interesting that scientists and mathematicians seem to be thinking that that's plausible.
0: I'm trying to find that other code. I couldn't find it. Um, well, yeah, I want to jump ahead now and get into the nature of precognition in dreams. Um well, I did it again. An 86. Oh, I see what I'm doing wrong. I didn't. I just have to put an 86, not 0. 0.7. Um, so, um, I, am debating if we should talk about, I guess it'd be good to cover this. We, I don't know if we've covered dreams in, in our talks yet. Um, but I think this also gives more, more clues into the nature of the interrelationships between, um, space time and time space here. Um. So Don asked, you stated that dreaming, if made available to the conscious mind, will aid greatly in polarization. Would you define dreaming or tell us what it is and how it aids in polarization? And Ross said, dreaming is an activity of communication through the veil of the unconscious mind and the conscious mind. The nature of this activity is wholly dependent upon the situation regarding the energy center blockages, activations, and crystallizations of a given mind-body-spirit complex. So. Um, it's completely dependent on how we are activated in our chakra system when we go to bed at night, as to what our dreams can do for us. I guess that's my interpretation of that.
1: I saw that too. I thought that was also very important. Important. Anytime they say things like wholly or completely, or you know, I definitely pay more attention.
0: So, in one who is blocked at two of the three lower energy centers, dreaming will be of value in the polarization process and that there will be a repetition of those portions of recent catalyst, as well as deeper held blockages thereby giving the waking mind clues as to the nature of these blockages and hints as to the possible changes in perception, which may lead to the unblocking. I think I still go through this a lot. This is the most common kind of dream. I think everybody has when you're waking up and there's just some weird symbology in there. And that relates to further balancing that we could be doing in the, in the lower, um, energy
2: centers um that kind of gets into like the dream language idea too like of these reoccurring things and if there's differences like that can help you identify it and I know David Wilcox at least one that talks about that too with colors you see in dreams relating to certain blockages at times or levels of height that you're at that you can relate to different blockages that way and at least I found that to be beneficial in trying to determine where the blockages are and or what they are and how to how to go about healing them but I think really
1: the, what the the emotive resonance that they mention in the the next paragraph is really key too, because a dream, just like regular life, is really just the representation of our encounter with frequency and energy and and information, and so we assign <clears throat> anthropomorphic you know um, qualities and all that to to what it is that we're needing to experience, but it's all basically just the music of consciousness,
0: right? So in other
1: words, even though I don't remember any of my dreams, <laughs> I recommend to people who are trying to figure theirs out, how did you feel after that dream? You know, so they'll describe something really bizarre and they're like, just, isn't that totally bizarre? But it's like, okay, but how, how did you feel, you know, in it, you know, were you excited or scared or, you know, whatever. And I think that that emotional response is what's telling us, you know, uh, at a vibratory level, what's really seeking
0: to, uh, to happen and it's really super important to write it all down right away and once you've got it all written down then it's helpful to look at every single aspect of it and say where's where is the most what is the emotional feeling i get around that particular thing and that particular thing and then just try to be even creative in your understanding of what could be a symbol amongst all the weirdness that you were seeing in there and then just just allow yourself to feel the feeling of each of these little aspects of it and that's where the, you know, maybe even want to write that down too, because that that's where the real clues come in when you see, when when the list of feelings is compiled and what the dream is saying about the relationships between those feelings, then I think that, that helps you draw the much much clearer picture.
2: Totally. Yeah. And then even relating that to the different energy centers from there to try to decide which one might contain the blockage or... If any waking experiences you've had that can relate to those, that you can kind of go back and then analyze that catalyst again, Um, yeah, some success in doing that. So along those lines, then what what do you think this
1: comment about two of the three (laughs) lower energy centers means? I would I would presume just sort of logically that that's going to be the second and third, uh, because I would presume that they're going to be just much more active. But I have to wonder what kind of dreams you have if you if you're deeply blocked at at a root level
2: or it
0: might have said that can't be blocked too okay you remember that
2: yeah um, i remember there being some debate over it if it was even possible or not i don't really think Ra ever gave a definitive answer from what i remember but it it seems like to me that you have like issues dealing with survival and those kind of things i could show up in the dream then as a possibility of a red ray blockage or, or distortion maybe if, if it's not letting all the energy through all the way
0: yeah I think maybe they, they, they did leave it ambiguous. Um, um, so one, one quote on, on that subject was, um, um, so the first balancing, so there's balancing that has to happen is the Malkuth or earth vibratory energy complex called the red ray and understanding and acceptance of this energy is fundamental. And then they said the next energy complex, which may be blocked. So I guess in this sense, the blocking. What they're calling blocking blockage is related to the need for balancing
1: um, was there context around that's very interesting that they referred to malkuth there um i mean that wasn't within the context of any tree of life discussions
0: right and <laughs> they threw that I, in there
1: <laughs> yeah and that's a that's a mapping that i you know i also kind of subscribe to or see those correspondences because there's seven levels in the tree but just very strange that they just went straight to Malkuth.
0: Yeah. Maybe it's because it's impossible not to see them as the same and the understandings that have been given to that word. Yeah. Okay. It's which is very helpful. Very helpful for the understanding the archetypes of this tree of life.
1: Oh yeah. Definitely.
0: Um I'll see if they mentioned that elsewhere here. So the other, other one here they said was um relating to homosexuality. Oh gosh um there's a there's a possibility of a lack of desire or blockage of the red ray reproductive energy um that can happen with those who are in overcrowded situation under a constant bombardment from other selves um so that's one kind of red ray blockage that's hang on can you go back to real <laughs> quick? I'm, I'm nervous to ever mention this part of the book
1: well, well I mean, no I mean I wasn't noticing the homosexuality part because I didn't see it actually mentioned in that center Paragraph, but I just saw the the plight of every introvert
0: I've ever known. Right yeah, there. that's true. That's true. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I could. I could. I, uh, I, well, we I, we
1: don't we don't necessarily have to, but I was I was only yeah. that whole overcrowded and situation.
0: They basically are saying that homosexuality comes about more in the overcrowded situations than in the lesser crowded situations, um, because of the constant bombardment from other selves in those situations um, causing those who are especially sensitive to not feel the desire to be of service to other selves this increases the probability now there's other factors to it they've said such as the number of incarnations in the opposite sex gender from previous lifetimes but but this part of it this overcrowded situation increases the probability of the lack of desire or blockage of the red ray
1: you know, it's very interesting. There, um, Matthias De Stefano uh, equates the um, the red ray or root energy center to the law of the universe. Not so much associated with the energy of survival, but um, he refers to it as generation. And this kind of does here too. Red ray reproductive energy, which is that just most fundamental need to to produce. And I and if I'm not drawing too short of a of a line here that seems to be what Ra is saying is that the tendency toward um homosexuality or maybe homosexuality as an expression is a result of this blockage of red ray reproductive energy which and again i see why you would want to be careful about you know about studying this here because if they didn't go into
0: it at great length then it
1: puts a lot of speculation on yeah our
0: part. yeah um but yeah, ultimately, my purpose here is understanding um why they might have said two out of three, yeah, and um, but this one here um, they discussed a little differently um, so i I guess this is maybe not what I was thinking of. Um, yeah. Maybe, Maybe I'll every skip
1: facet of the mind and body though, the root will be given opportunity to function first.
0: Yeah.
1: Wow. Interesting. Because if you're if you're thinking of archetypes, those may not be associated with the root. Um, those could be associated with any part of the energetic system. Um, and so as the adept choosing an archetype to embody? Um, I wonder if we get to make that choice before the root is given the opportunity to function. which it would like draw the line between like a... immense fear in 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 a, a mortal situation, by the way. You could be forced with your own mortality unexpected and have a choice to embody a different a different archetype in that moment as opposed to the root obviously going. Oh, shit, I think uh, our minutes are numbered here.
0: Nathan, were you going to say something?
2: Uh, I was just going to say, I guess the way i interpret this is more of like the specific experiences So the red ray having to do with safety, sexuality and survival. If you have blockages there, that'll block it. So you won't even have that opportunity necessarily, Andrew, to even be in that correct mind state unless you go through the experience comes through all of the energy centers up to then be able to make that conscious choice from there. But if you have these lower blockages, you're not even in the right state of mind to be able to um, react with that all right. I guess, consciously.
1: All right. Which which archetype chooses to embody a different archetype?
0: I don't think that's um, necessarily how how it's working? Um, well, I mean, I
1: mean, when the adept is going to try on another archetype, right? to clothe themselves in in a different archetype, that's what we've talked about a lot is sort of the the skill set that the adept is is building. I'm just wondering which which um part of the archetype is or which archetypes I guess are involved in choosing, you know realizing that there's an opportunity to embody a different archetype and that it will be
0: beneficial. I think yeah. when you put it that way I think that definitely would be the great way. The great way is the uh, is yeah. the is
1: the viewer
0: of the archetypal
1: path and the realization that that this is the process and you see it as a process beginning to end. Okay, that yeah. makes
0: sense. Yeah. And when you're not when you're not seeing it on the archetypal level then then you haven't really fallen into the great way yet.
1: Yeah. No, that makes sense. You might still be having transformation Well, we almost all certainly do actually to one degree or another, but to the extent that we're resistant to it or or blocked, it may be very long and slow and hard transformation as opposed to once you fall into the great way and and realize that you can transform through faith and will, then it all becomes a lot
2: easier. That makes a lot of sense. Thanks, Mike. It does. Initially, I was thinking the significator, but that doesn't make sense because it's you're still seeing things through the biases. You need to be at that higher level of transform to be able to see it through the, through the great way perspective. So yeah. yeah. I right. think that makes, yeah, uh, man, that makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, um, we can get through this dreaming stuff, uh, relatively quickly move on to the subject of death and time space relating to the death. um, um but yeah, so I guess we'll leave it as a question mark why they said two out of the three lower energy centers. Um, I assume that's just because of the fact that that's what it takes to be working on something in your dreams. Um, so the type of dreaming or communication through the veiled portions of the mind, this type of dreaming, also occurs with those mind-body-spirit complexes which are functioning with far less blockage and enjoying the green ray activation or higher activation at those times at which the mind-body-spirit complex experiences catalyst momentarily re-blocking or baffling or otherwise distorting the flow of energy influx. Therefore, in all cases, even with green ray activation, they're saying, when in all cases, it is useful to a mind-body-spirit complex to ponder the content and emotive resonance of dreams to help with understanding these um, blocking flows of energy. And then this more exciting portion of this, I feel, um, once we have worked through all these significant blockages, for those whose green ray energy centers have been activated, as well as for those whose green ray energy centers are offered an unusual unblockage due to extreme catalyst, such as what is termed the physical death of the self, or one which is beloved occurring, what you may call your near future. And boy, does that open your heart. Like, uh, for example, when my when when our our cat or when our when my wife's dog which she had for many many years passed away she had the dream of him passing away that day and reached out to me uh when she was away at work moments before he passed and then I was able to go be hold him while he passed and uh and she just she just knew it right when it was happening because of her dream reminding her right at that moment
2: um Um, but but there's something Oh sorry, I was just I was saying gonna... I had something similar too with the with the dreams. But mine was like six months leading up to my brother's passing. It just felt like there was gonna be knew there was gonna be something traumatic, but I didn't know specifically who it was or what it was going to be. But looking back, it kind of all adds up now, but it wasn't necessarily clear as what you were saying your wife was seeing. So it's I don't know, it seems like it could take a number of different shapes there. It's a matter of interpreting then too.
0: Yeah. I probably should have finished reading the sentence before I went into that, but yeah, um... sorry. Such as what is termed the physical death of the self or one which is beloved occurring in what you may call your near future, dreaming takes on another activity. So now they're getting to precognition here, but they're saying that um, an unusual state of unblockage or in a general just activation state of the heart, when your heart is very open, this is when this is all possible more. And this is what may loosely be termed precognition or a knowing which is prior to that which shall occur. And physical manifestation in your yellow ray third density space time um so obviously here we're talking about time space uh, which
1: is viewing into the future and what does this classify as would you say that precognition is catalyst for example and introduced by the higher self in order for us to make choices about what we're precognating?
0: I don't know if the higher self is involved or if it's literally just you're opening your eyes and looking around on the inner dimensions
1: right, but it has to fall to you know our archetypal experience somehow
0: yeah, just just in the same way as space does. I think space looking at space time and looking at time space, same opportunities for catalyst. however, maybe maybe there's more going on with the spiritual nature when you're looking. Yeah,
1: because the fact that it's precognitive is the part to me like you could you could have the most perfectly architected dream to deliver the most beautiful and perfect amazing message just for you or you can precognate which means that you're still going to be left to interpretation and things like that. So this particular type of information coming through to me seems, you know, purposeful perhaps, you know, in a slightly different way than than um you know a landscape that we might build out of our own you know imagination or
0: yeah I mean, and i think there's i i wonder if there's like angelic guides with everyone when they're dreaming every night with every dream just like nudging you to see this a little bit more clearly see this with more attention so that because that's what's going to help you and maybe they're working with your higher self too
1: right but in a, and again in a precognitive, it's not just in how you you might assimilate the emotional responses, or you know, kind of clear. Well, it might be. Maybe it is. You precognate something, and you see the limiting belief that might be calling that to you. And by correcting that belief, um, that thing may not still need to come anymore. So, I could actually see a very useful, um, you know, thing for. It. But if it's something that's beyond your control or outside of your influence, if it's something global or
0: with someone else,
1: right. then you know, I'm not sure what you what you do with that.
0: I think there's other there's other uh, other kinds of dreaming here that they talk about where it's like the vision from the mystic where yeah. you could shift the okay. timeline. I All think right. that that was a different discussion here. Um, so, but I'll, I'll finish this part here. So, this property of the mind, this precognition, depend upon depends upon its placement to a great extent in time space, so that the terms of present and future and past have no meaning the terms of present and future and past have no meaning this will if made proper use of by the mind-body-spirit complex enable this entity to more move um enable this entity to to more fully into the all-compassionate love to enter more fully into the all-compassionate love of each and every circumstance including those circumstances against which an entity may have a strong distortion towards what you may call unhappiness. So enter more fully into all compassionate love.
2: So is this, I guess maybe I'm taking a little bit out of context, and is this saying then in space-time, or this is in time-space that you're being able to give this opportunity?
1: I think time-space because of the previous sentence. It says that's where the property of the mind is placed.
0: But then again, it's a communication between the conscious and the unconscious. So it's it's pulling information into the conscious mind so that you can deal with it in in your waking life too.
2: So in that sense, it'd be both. You're experiencing that in time space through the dream there, but then you look at it in space time after, analyze like the dream that way and look at yeah. what it could be teaching you the compassionate yeah. love. Yeah. Yeah
0: many other examples in my life where I got to see into the future a bit and, and alleviate some unhappiness and, t- and turn something that should have been unhappiness into pure joy because of having that precognitive awareness.
1: Wow. That's exactly what I was asking about. Mike. <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: So you've yeah. had that
1: kind of experience.
0: Yeah. The more you write down your dreams, the more you can have that. Definitely.
1: As soon as I start having them, I'll start writing them down.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, I i'm tempted to go into stories i'm sure other people here have stories too in the chat um i will may, maybe we will leave that for a different discussion that'd sure. be a different discussion
1: yeah you know we could have a uh a, a call someday on on just an experiential discussion literally of just diving into yeah. personal experiences it'd be a little bit indulgent but maybe interesting too
2: yeah <laughs> and Trish
1: is going to write a book about it <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs>
2: dreams in particular are just so fascinating. I think everyone has had those crazy mystical experiences or anything in in the dream world. And then it's a matter of how you incorporate that into your life or what you interpret the meaning to be. So, yeah, that could be a fun conversation. Well, I've I've
1: been lucky enough to have some mystical experiences outside of the dream world, fortunately. So I've got uh, maybe a little bit to offer there, but. Yeah, that's again for a whole another probably conversation about indigo ray activation, dreaming, um, you know, hallucinogenics, things like that.
0: I might as well jump ahead to this other uh, other Q and A here. Um, so the other function of dreaming, which is of aid, I think this is a separate. This is a separate answer. Um, So, the other function of dreaming, which is of aid, is that which type of dream is that type of dream which is visionary and which prophets and mystics have experienced from days of old. Their visions come through the roots of mind and speak to a hungry world. Thus, the dream is of service without being of a personally polarizing nature. However, in that the mystic or prophet who desires to serve, such service will increase the entity's polarity. So, this is. A little bit mysterious here, what they're saying, but um, just visionary dreams are one possibility. Yeah, so
1: that would sort of ask or answer that previous question a little bit, and that you could get a vision that, say, had global impact. And while the vision itself may not have a polarizing impact, which is why this was a a follow-on question about those uh, dreams that are not necessarily polarizing. Um, They're saying, sure, that may not have a a personally polarizing impact on the dreamer, but once the dreamer decides that they may want to deliver that message to the world in service, then that could increase their polarity.
2: Yeah. Ra also does talk about, I can't remember if it's directly to Ra or if it's the confederation, but they visit people in dreams quite a bit more frequently now, it seems uh, whether it's channeling, but dreaming is one of the main uh, modems, it seems like, that they use, at least currently. So it could be messages like that that you then are given the opportunity to to be of service by using. Yeah, if it's coming
1: to me with that darn you know memory eraser for Men in Black, then
0: I could tell you all about it. <laughs> <laughs> when you contact the entities in their dreams, um, do they have to have to be first seeking in the direction of the law of one? Uh, this is correct. For example, the entities of the nation of Egypt were in a state of pantheism as you may call this distortion, um, towards separate worship of various portions of the creator. They were able to contact one whose orientation was towards the one. Um, I guess they must've been talking about that earlier here. Um, I think
2: it was in 14 also. I was looking at it earlier, but I can't remember the exact.
0: Yeah. we, Okay, in most cases, the channels in Egypt were inspired by dreams and visions without being aware consciously of our identity or existence. Um, I feel like there, there might have been something else too later on um, about the contact and dreams. Um, but I guess that's maybe taking too long to find here. Um, so I'll finish up the other discussion about dreams here, which is, this is possibly the most useful thing unrelated to the discussion of time-space, but this is kind of related to contact too, because of the nature of guidance. Um, so as a mind-body-spirit complex consciously chooses the path of the adept, with each energy center balanced to a minimal degree, begins to open the indigo ray, ray center, and the so-called dreaming becomes the most efficient tool for polarization. For if, if it is known by the adept that work may be done in consciousness while the so-called conscious mind rests. This adept may call upon those which guide it, those presences which surround it, and most of all, the magical personality, which is the higher self in space-time analog as it moves into the sleeping mode of consciousness. So this is like praying before you go to bed. That's the way I see it. And you could be praying to your higher self, you could be praying praying to your guides. Um, Well, they say most of all the magical personality, which is the higher self. Um, So I guess that's the... That's the center of it. Is calling upon your higher nature. Um, and with these affirmations attended to, the entity of the activity of dreaming reaches the, that potential of learned teaching, which is most helpful to increasing the distortions of the adept towards its chosen polarity. So they're calling this affirmations. Um, this calling upon calling upon these guides for the purpose of increasing towards your chosen polarity, which would be increasing your, your love, increasing your opportunities to find love towards yourself or others, depending upon your polarity, I guess.
2: So you would see this then as let's say your higher self in this case, giving you examples of how you can be a better service to others or better express love through this dream state or analyze, I guess, experiences better to uh, be able to, to respond differently and future catalyst situations.
0: Yeah, maybe both of those. Yeah.
1: Huh. Yeah, I wonder how dreams are are different in this capacity uh, in contrast to how it um, described when the lower energy centers are blocked.
2: I wonder so, if this is like the, the dream yoga. They talk about like dream yoga and being more conscious in your dreams. So you have, a like Mike was saying, you put that affirmation in before so you are aware it's kind of like the um uh like lucid dreaming state where you can work with it and consciously choose at that point so it's not so much you're getting this lesson to analyze as you wake but it's more of in the moment yeah i'm trying to not sort
1: of fall into a trap almost of going like oh look then we could consciously be working in time space but they're also saying that there's the sleeping mode of consciousness happening right there so whether it's what we would typically refer to as the conscious mind that's present and having this dream or or determining it, or if it's literally the higher self that's coming in and, and having the dream and, you know, consciousness is asleep.
0: There's probably a yeah, large it's... spectrum. I think there's probably a spectrum of uh, what we're able to achieve by how much we can contact our higher self. Yep. I would... I'd go with that. Were you going to add something, Nathan?
2: Oh, I was just going to say that's a good point, Andrew. It Kind of makes me wonder a little bit more on on that, but it's obviously seems to be a little more complex than. Yeah, yeah. Because it's it, it, sometimes I'm thinking that it's
1: you know one versus the other as opposed to wherever my point of awareness might be centered within that whole totality, I suppose. So it's not the higher self coming in at the cost of the lower self going to sleep, but rather just the the function of awareness drifting from the lower state of consciousness into the higher one.
0: So this is a great, uh, another follow-up question that Don had. Um, so I guess this was a follow-up uh, about why, why there is small portions of REM sleep occurring during dreaming, and why are there gaps in in between these periods of REM sleep, and why why the dreaming process works like that was the question. And Ross said, the portions of the dreaming process which are helpful for polarization, and also for the vision of the mystic, take place in time-space, and consequently use the bridge from metaphysical to physical, for what seems to be a brief period of your space-time. The time-space equivalent is far greater. The bridge remains, however, and traduces each distortion of mind, body, and spirit as it has received the distortions of energy influxes so that healing may take place.
1: I had to look that up, by
2: the way, traduces. It means to speak badly of
0: (laughs) or something like that. (laughs)
2: Well, that's what confused me. I looked it up also. I was hoping Mike had uh, already defined it as well too here, but it was a little misleading, yeah
1: well I, I it, to me it's it's the the traduction that's happening here. I just made that up is <laughs> is of the distortion. so it's the the distortions that are needing to be healed that are quote unquote being spoken badly of, but it would be more like we're being told the truth about them and allowed to see them well, which is what allows them to heal.
0: Here it says mid-16th century meant in the sense transport transmit from Latin traducere, lead in front of others, comma, exposed to ridicule. Um, so so I don't understand why those two are related. Um, but maybe, maybe there's some reason that they, they brought in a word that both means transport and expose at the same time.
2: it kind of it means the same thing i think andrews what you're saying though too it's basically making that aware you're making aware of those distortions that you're that you're receiving and that you have
1: yeah it's the distortions that are being traduced um which i think just is meaning that they're being shown for what they are which would allow the healing to take place
0: yeah the bridge remains and traduces each distortion of mind body and spirit as it has received the distortions of energy influxes so that healing may take place, like shining a, a flashlight on every
2: single thing. Um, How do you think that works there? I guess, because the way I'm reading it, it's saying that you, it's space time. So you're sleeping, your body is asleep, say for an hour time, space. That could be, let's say 10 hours of time at that point. But then once you return, it says the bridge remains. So is it that, remembering of the experience that the bridge is still connected to, like with those distortions being brought up? Or what would you consider that bridge to be then? That makes sense to me that, I mean,
0: certainly when when I awake from a dream and I can remember it, it feels like there are elements of the other side that I'm connected to and that I can go to in some way.
2: Yeah, that makes sense to me. That's kind of what I was relating to as well. I just wasn't sure if you guys interpreted
1: that same way. Almost like healing happening in between. Dreaming. Is that what we're yeah. saying? Okay. Yeah. We had yeah. sort of Let that me act. finish this. Okay. It, Go ahead. it
0: says this healing process does not occur with the incidence of rapid eye movement, but rather occurs largely in the space-time portion of the mind, body, spirit complex, using the bridge to time space for the process of healing to be enabled. Huh.
1: But we did say that dreaming ha- coincides with rapid
0: eye movement. Right. Yeah. Okay. I guess that's just known scientifically. I don't know if they
1: said right. that. Either. But this would sort of make sense. He's trying to understand the pattern of of sleeping and dreaming. And what it yeah. sounds like Ra is saying is that there's always something happening. Either yeah. you're healing yeah. or you're actively dreaming.
0: Yeah, I guess it makes sense that the REM is, is the bridge. And then after the bridge is closed, now you can deal with that for a little bit before jumping back in like that like the acid trip i'm ready to go in again (laughs) i was thinking
1: that it was meaning that the the bridge remains open even after right rapid eye movement is closed so that dreaming is active dreaming is during and then the bridge is still there doing its healing even if you're not actively dreaming
0: that makes the most sense to me yeah Mm -hmm. um yeah the bridge is the processing trish says yeah i think so or the the use use of the bridge is like the processing that happens in between it's
1: almost like the involuntary or the the parasympathetic metaphysical healing complex that is just doing its thing because that's what happens i mean just like the body is right the the body itself and and we're going to get to another passage here i think um that Totally reinforce that. Something for me that's really present that when when raw refers to the body, um, it's almost never um referring strictly to the physical body. And um, I'm starting to see those as much more of a of a complex and a a continuum, I guess, the energetic bodies into the physical body. But we we scientifically understand that the physical body goes into its repair process, but it seems to me that this is actually just happening across the whole body complex
0: at that time. If you can clarify yourself when we get there um okay. i'm not sure what exactly what you're asking there
1: yeah i forgot i was
0: looking at it at the time <laughs> um so um i was going to jump over here from dreams to death because these are the two areas where they seem to talk about time space the most and to some degree you know they talked about time space with a general definition that this is just um that when we're in space time you know we're seeing um the inverse of what we would see in time space where or instead of seeing all the spaces around us here in space time in time space we see all the times around us all the different events that that could be represented by forms in the time space dimensions and so the relationship between things happening in space and things happening in time is always uh two aspects of our nature which is which are always unfolding and which become more apparent in these dreaming states and become more apparent in the um, in between lifetime state um, when we get to look, look across the veil and have the life review. Um, so, this question was as an entity goes through the death process and third density and finds itself in time space, it finds itself in a different set of circumstances. Would you please describe the properties or circumstances of time space? and then the process of healing or incarnative experiences that some entities encounter. And Ra says, although this query is difficult to answer adequately due to the limitations of your space-time words, your sound vibration complexes, we shall respond to the best of our ability. The hallmark of space-time is the inequity between time and space. In your space-time, the spatial orientation of material causes a tangible framework for illusion. In time-space, the inequity is upon the shoulders of that property known to you as time. This property renders entities and experiences intangible in a relative sense. In your framework, each particle or core vibration moves at a velocity which approaches what you call the speed of light from the direction of the superluminal velocities, which means faster than the speed of light. And this is pretty trippy to think. I mean, this is like physics that people like David Wilcox have tried to explain. That It would seem as though on the other side, all the particles of reality are now operating with different laws because they're moving faster than the speed of light. Whereas on this side of things, the particles are moving slower than the speed of light. And and therefore, there's there's the speed of light is kind of like this... Um, you know the the linkage up between between our 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 two realities or two ways of experiencing light i guess one being unbounded in time and one being unbounded in space <clears throat> um which which it, it's fascinating that there's a physics to all this metaphysical stuff in in that sense um but that's kind of a, a side note to this um but that's their. That's how they started explaining this answer about death is kind of profound.
1: Would you think that that's saying that core vibrations in time space move yeah. at a superluminal velocity?
0: Yeah, that seems and, to be what they're saying.
1: Okay, so so another way that we might look at this is say that the speed of light represents the the boundary val- the boundary yeah. between between the space time and time space. Yeah. It seems that, like that's what they're suggesting, which is related to the veil. I know we were talking about unconscious earlier and being in time and space, but and I, I don't want to draw you know too stark of parallels where they're where they don't belong. But I would say that the veil seems to ride a lot along that same line.
0: Well, it could be that the veil has more to do with our genetics because you know we can always be perceiving into time and space when we have a pineal gland, which is capable of doing so.
1: Um, True. So, piercing the veil.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and uh, I, you know, I've heard David Wilcock talk about how even the Pineal Grand was apparently reverse engineered in a sense by groups that are trying to look into the future where they're using electromagnetic fields to shield light, shield influences from the water which is potentially in our the water of our pineal, of our pineal gland, and it's like you can have the rods and cones inside the pineal gland looking in at this water, which becomes kind of a hyperdimensional linkage when um, when it's just properly shielded. In order, again, I, I guess with the fields of electromagnetic energies, which may maybe the metaphysical energies themselves as well, those fields can then tweak and tune the perception and it goes across the, the barrier i think well for one i'd like to know where i can sign
1: up <laughs> uh, but uh two i've been thinking about um electromagnetics and fields a lot lately and bridging the same thing across um the physical and metaphysical so i like that you're drawing some of that in as well
0: yeah in 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 theory this is how ufos work to some degree too when they pop in in and out of our reality um maybe they're jumping away from space time into time space that's that's theory yeah there can be many ways that they pop out of our reality too um so thus (laughs) though as though we can understand that part thus, (laughs) thus the time space or metaphysical experience Is that which is finely tuned and although an analog of space-time lacking in its tangible characteristics in these metaphysical planes there is a great deal of what you would you call time which is used to review and re-review the biases and learned teachings of a prior as you would call it space-time incarnation so you're free to look again and again like like looking at the 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 replay reel of your life over and over and over until you're satisfied that you're you're done with that kind of healing
1: it kind of seems like dipping you know they talk about dipping into the sea but going back into the ocean and and knowing the self as sort of all waves at once and being able to see them all you know from that vantage point as opposed to in space time where you're you're experiencing one wave after another after another in a more
0: linear sense yeah um Is this the one where they talked about the grand overview? Yeah, it was a different one here. They said um, the advantage of time space is that of the fluidity of the grand overview. The advantage of space time is that working in darkness with a tiny candle, one may correct imbalances.
2: I thought this was kind of interesting because it reminded me of a quote I had been looking at earlier. For um, I think it was twenty six thirty there, where they're saying in. The, Uh, in time space you can accept and forgive some of these experiences but it's only in space time you can actually achieve restitution so maybe more related to karma and actions but it can't be achieved in time space so that's why you incarnate as well to set up different experiences for you to then uh, be able to i guess achieve or to to heal some of those properties yeah
0: um is that in this
1: one it was the paragraph above the one you were on i think yeah The
0: process in space-time of the forgiveness and acceptance is much like that in time-space, and that the qualities of the process are analogous. However, while in space-time it is not possible to determine the course of events beyond the incarnation, but only to correct present imbalances, in time-space, upon the other hand, it is not possible to correct any unbalanced actions, but rather to perceive the imbalances and we forgive the self for that which is.
2: Yeah. So it's saying basically the same thing. It just was said a little differently in the other quote, but it's, yeah, it means the exact same looks like. Yeah. Yeah. The
0: decisions then are made to set up the possibility probabilities of correcting these imbalances in what you call future space time experiences. Which so I guess the, the forgiveness is not. About so, death.
1: Oh, go ahead. All right, that's it. I was just going to say to talk about that in, in death, specifically with suicide. I thought that it was great that it says it's not just possible or probable, but that you're going to make a new commitment <laughs> to space-time.
0: Yeah, yeah. And this is so fascinating to me that the, um, the forgiveness itself is not the entirety of the work that we need to do, because we have energies which are hurtling us through the universe to do different things. And, and grow in light in many different ways, grow in interacting with others, so many different things. And these are the energies that are we're still needing to set up future experiences in order to balance. And we can't just have them automatically balanced by taking a
2: pause and forgiving ourselves for everything. We can't. You need to be tested with it, actually, to prove that you've actually truly forgiven or accepted uh, the experience.
1: I see what you're saying there yeah um so what's the purpose of forgiveness in time space if you can't actually correct anything
0: it could be because we're so jumbled you know it's like we're, we, we're we're not clear on what we're doing or who we are and we can't really be of service to others when we're a bunch of unresolved you know blockages and lack of forgiveness for ourselves.
1: i see we have to forgive the self in order to be productive about Probably constructing what the next thing is going to be. If if we're not forgiving ourselves, then we might be lending ourselves up for some more challenging uh, lessons.
0: Yeah, and I wonder if we would live longer if we were able to be completely forgiving of ourselves all day, every day. Like I'm fully satisfied today. Might as well go on for tomorrow.
1: <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb, Mike, <laughs> and then go with yes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Like an action of the will as well, then you have the the will to live and the will to continue the experience too.
1: Well, and not the need to learn through things like aging, you know, which is just a an affect of our belief in the construct
0: of time. And and I think that I mean, ultimately they say that aging is related to the electromagnetic system that the whole planet is dealing with. And, you know, the fact that we've reduced our The length of time we're living collectively from 900 years down to 90 years, that drop was a collective thing that related to the energy imbalances of the whole planetary, you know, collective unconscious mind. So I think that, you know, healing yourself on that deep level, which apparently some saints in India have done, you know, there's many claims of people who live many hundreds of years. um, I, I guess that's a very hard process to get to that deepest aspect of yourself where you almost have a shield from the the distortions of the collective consciousness which are so so easy to break into the everyone else's influence and wear then wear, wear us all down.
1: I think about that all the time, the juxtaposition between the collective conscious and the personal conscious and how we are manifesting obviously our own realities. And it's like we accept both of these things as true, which you know, I think that they are true. And yet the understanding of which of these things has a a more powerful impact which of these things is surmountable you know can can the individual be so certain of something that it can overcome the collective consciousness and belief in something and is that is that the only the only thing that needs to be done in order for somebody to uh, express miracles or you know what have you in physical reality that might not otherwise be
0: accepted I think it, you might as well call it contact with intelligent infinity and say, yes, that's all that needs to be done. Okay. <laughs> um,
1: good. So the, the, the collective consciousness is an influence and certainly one into which we are all plugged. Um, but this is a matter of, of piercing even that. So the, the gateway to intelligent infinity is going to go upward through individual consciousness all the way through collective consciousness and through um, above.
2: Yeah, it right. seems to relate to the unconscious mind, the the roots of the tree of mind, is, as Ross says on there. We have the different levels of that unconscious. So the personal, the racial, the planetary. So planetary collective conscious of here, but below there is archetypal and then cosmic mind. And this, of course, is then the gateway to intelligent infinity. So it's like you can traverse all of those, but there's different levels to it, I guess, kind of. I think yeah. what you're alluding to there, Andrew, but yeah, with the possibility of contacting intelligent infinity at the end that makes sense
1: Hmm.
2: nice
0: so going back to discussion with death um so we're talking about the review process and then they they said the extreme fluidity of these regions of time space makes it possible for much to be penetrated which must needs be absorbed before the process of healing of an entity may be accomplished each entity is located in a somewhat immobile state, much as you are located in space-time in a somewhat immobile state in time. In this immobile space, the entity has been placed by the form-maker and higher self so that it may be in the proper configuration for learn teaching that which it has received in the space-time incarnation. And I don't know if that's like a special shell or bubble that they've given you. I going to talk about makers, uh,
1: the indigo ray body right
0: yeah yeah the four makers the indigo um and we i discussed that in a different episode of this discussion i don't i feel like that's gonna have to be an, a, a future discussion too because all the ways they discussed the for baker and the indigo are still so um interesting and profound um and there are some points where they're discussing the poss- the potentials of the indigo ray activation where they say we can't even discuss this because of the law of confusion because of how you know how profound i assume it is that what's possible with um i mean even if, if, if you just think about that that we are in contact at all times with an aspect of ourselves which is called the form maker so we are outside of form we are formless and we are a part of us is the form maker and we're we're choosing along with our form maker the reality that we're taking on Hmm,
1: that makes sense. That that would be obviously Indigo Ray, right? since that's the gateway to intelligent yeah. infinity. And if you were going to sort of um, override um, any other influence of consciousness on the making of form, uh, that's where you would do it.
0: Yeah. So depending on this time space locus, there will be certain helpers which assist in this healing process. The process involves seeing in full the experience seeing it against the backdrop of the mind-body-spirit complex total experience, forgiving the self for all missteps as regards the missed guideposts during the incarnation, and finally, the careful assessment of the next necessities for learning. This is done entirely by the higher self until an entity has become conscious in space-time of the process and means of spiritual evolution, at which time the entity will consciously take part in all decisions.
1: For clarity on the last sentence, um, when it says um, at which time, would that still be referring to this life between lives, meaning that if an entity achieves um, consciousness during a regular space-time incarnation, the the death following that particular incarnation, then they would have a more conscious um, influence over this? I think so. Okay. Not not to confuse this with um, somebody that, that gets harvested to fourth density in the midst of an incarnation that would then you know be more consciously deciding. I don't know if that makes sense because they've talked about you know if you get harvested to fourth density, you could literally just you know float away. The most don't, but that's not what we're talking about. This is specifically within the context of. The life between lives.
0: Yeah, this is the normal process. And I think they at one point said that, um, did they give a percentage that like maybe more than half of us are now in the state of uh helping to choose our next incarnation? What are the details of that?
2: I thought they did put a number to it because there's a certain level of development in third density before that would be the I think what they call it, the automatic reincarnation before you have the ability to choose your incarnational experience, but I thought they did put a percentage or a quantity to it. Yeah.
1: 50% seems like a high number, and yet at the same time, given what Ross says about the graduation from third to fourth density and how poorly we've performed, my guess is that by this late, late, late stage that this should be much more like you know 99% is consciously making choices between incarnations.
2: Yeah, you'd think, except it seems like we're on a rather confused planet or going through a rather confused third density experience here. And with yeah. the sinkhole of indifference, as Ross says, like quite a few are kind of caught up in this. So
1: exactly, which be... 50%, like on the one hand, I'm like, hey, go, go 50%. And then on the other, it's like, yeah, but I guess that's quite a bit shorter from where we should be. And Trish, to your point, uh, Rod does discuss seniority about vibration as it pertains to incarnating into a later stage density
0: um yeah
2: is what the ability of the people who need this experience the most or could benefit greatly from this experience are given that chance but i guess i don't know if that necessarily means that you would choose your incarnational um circumstances at that point as well but it seems like it would if you're trying to move on to fourth density let me yeah uh, i think pre-incarnatively I think I choose these circumstances i need to to progress exactly i think by the time you
1: show up on on the list of of seniority you've you know crossed that threshold and you're you know really you're an adept you know in and outside of an incarnation
2: yeah that makes sense even wanderers
1: Hmm. exactly which is sort of a (laughs) metaphysically or or across the 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 great wheel um i would say that that's a level above the adept right i mean an adept you would say is sort of in the context within an incarnation whereas a wanderer we think of sort of an adept um you know across incarnations
2: yeah coming from a higher density of experience where the adept at least in third density is what working in the fifth and sixth ray energy centers here but exactly um, i wonder how the the
1: archetype of the martyr um comes in there um and you know, I know Don asks Rob quite a bit about wanderers and and coming in, but um, you know, it's a it's a challenging experience. And I just wonder if that archetype plays a role pre incarnatively where we say, hey, this is going to be a challenging experience where we're like, I can do it, you know, look how much I've done already, or you know, whatever. And
0: um, hmm. I was trying to find a different where i thought that they talked about the percentages but um when the entity becomes aware in its mind body spirit complex totality of the mechanism for spiritual evolution it itself will arrange and place those lessons and entities necessary for maximum growth and expression of polarity in the incarnative experience before the forgetting process occurs the only disadvantage of this total free will of those senior entities choosing the manner of incarnation experiences is that some entities attempt to learn so much during one incarnative experience that the intensity of catalyst disarranges the polarized entity and the experience thus is not maximally useful as intended. You bite off more than you can chew. Yeah.
1: Love that. <laughs> that's optimism, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's even, you know, we we encounter people like that, right? I'm not saying it's my place to know which ones... Or which but gosh you know, we, we must all encounter people like that all the time that are that are you know just have a, a really fraught experience and um you know i remind myself all the time that they signed up for it yeah in fact you know those that have what to us would seemingly be you know perhaps the most the most challenging um you know, I would I would almost have to put them more into this category because, you know, surely it would be very hard for a less conscious entity to to um choose that and and actually be able to grow through. It. Or it'd be much more difficult, I guess, for an unconscious um being to choose, you know, the most challenging type of incarnation because it's very hard to learn through if you're not conscious. I mean, that seems kind of strange. I don't know if that's a safe inference to make, but um, I guess you could have it karmically, too. I guess you could have it sort of pre-chosen if you're just still bouncing back and forth between unconscious extremes and different incarnations.
2: I, I'm i not an expert on that. <laughs> I'm not uh, sure either way, but all I know is it's hard to talk to people about that who aren't uh, into any of this sort of <laughs> spiritual <laughs> metaphysical principles telling you that you chose this as kind of a or at least potentially chose this, is a very difficult uh, topic to broach. Yeah, it
1: is. And then it's the most empowering thing anyone can possibly accept about their own experience as well.
2: Yeah. Right.
0: Taking responsibility is another uh, good quote from the material. If an entity can, once an entity chooses to take responsibility, you can empower your progress like an uh, order of magnitude or the law of squares or law of doubling kind of effect on your reality when you take responsibility.
2: Is it of each moment basically too? So relating to time, yeah. space, like we were talking about and space time. So all past and future, uh, responsibility, I guess, moments.
0: Yeah. there was something about the moments in there. Um, so the quote exactly was, um, well, maybe I'll read this whole thing. The Law of One has as one of its primal distortions the free will distortion, thus each entity is free to accept, reject, or ignore the mind-body-spirit complexes about it and ignore the creation itself. There are many among your social memory complex distortion who at this time-space engage daily, as you would put it, in the working upon the Law of One and one of its primal distortions, that is, the ways of love. However, if this same entity being biased from the depths of its mind-body-spirit complex towards love-light, were then to accept responsibility for each moment of the time-space accumulation of present moments available to it. Such an entity can empower its progress in much the same way we described as as the empowering of the call of your social memory complex distortion of the confederation, meaning the beings that we're calling to in the confederation for assistance is benefited by more people calling together because it's an exponential effect, but this quote this 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 is so confusing, and it's great. It comes up on it when we're trying to study time space here. So expect, accepting responsibility for each moment of the time space accumulation of present moments available to it. So the time space accumulation here, time space is the is, is the place where you can see all of your past times of your of your existence, all your uh, future too. But here we're talking about. The accumulation of present moments available to you which is usually what i think you can remember um i think that's what we're talking about here yeah um the way i see it there too so if we're accepting responsibility for everything that we've learned to this point that's i think that's that's stepping forward into a much
1: greater rate of evolution too yeah larger context and i i still always tie things back to identity too but they're Kind of one and the same. You either see yourself as victim of current incarnative circumstance, or you see yourself as master of intra incarnate incarnative experience.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, we can jump ahead to uh, some other discussions on death here. Um, so this question was about upon physical death from this particular density we lose the chemical body immediately after the loss of this chemical body. Do we maintain a different type of body? Is there still a mind body spirit complex at that point? And Ross said, this is correct. The mind body spirit complex is quite intact. The physical body complex you now associate with the term body being, but manifestation of a more dense and intelligently informed and powerful body complex.
1: So when I was talking about the body, this was the thing that I was, I was talking about. So when we go to sleep, we typically think physiologically, the body is kind of repairing itself. And all I'm saying is I'm extending that metaphysically and saying the body complex is actually the energy bodies as well. And I think those are healing themselves via that bridge we talked about earlier, that that just remains open to just, you know, do its, its regular cleanup processes, just like the physical body does
0: well nathan wh- how do you interpret this phrase this more dense intelligently informed and powerful body complex have you thought about that one
2: yeah i you know I, I gotta say i don't know for sure but it, this one kind of seemed to relate to that um formaker body or the indigo ray so a more dense collection of light basically that's then making some of these bigger decisions like the higher self at that point but the powerful is the is the weird word i guess for me in there mm-hmm.
0: So I, wonder, I I also wonder if this relates to, you know, the, the, the entirety of, of who and what we are, they the totality. Yeah. Um, yeah, four so makers, like right?
2: Yeah. Form oh, so maker step up probably, from the higher self, the mind, body, spirit complex totality versus higher self version.
0: Well, maybe I should keep reading, I guess. <laughs> um but yeah I, I feel like that's something i didn't I, don't, I have not had a clear thought on that I, I wish it was as simple as saying this is the etheric or um you don't think that to me seems completely implicit that that's the etheric 100%. body
1: 100 percent. those are the energetic bodies again that's a continuum so i mean you know it calls it a a complex but the difference between the, the skin cells on your skin and the etheric and emotional and, and other bodies that are manifesting the physical body are are connected there's no disconnect between them as a matter of fact they are one whole body so that's why they differentiate here between the chemical you know or quote unquote physical body from really what the rest of the body is because at a, at a metaphysical point they invest so little in physical reality um, and see it as sort of an illusory reflection of, of metaphysical reality. That you know, for our perspective, we're always talking about the body and the physical body, and for them, it's it's um, a tail end, but it's not as powerful. It's not as intelligently informed as the whole rest of the body system that actually
0: makes it manifest. Yeah, I guess that's the, and that what you're describing. I think can be. What did they say? The etheric is kind of coming from the the indigo center. feel like i could look that up quickly actually that would be good to
1: know because the etheric body on the tree i normally associate with yesod which is the second level oh there it is
0: yeah the indigo ray body which we choose to call the etheric body is as we have said the gateway body in this body form is sub in this body form is substance and you may only see this body as that of light as it may mold itself as it desires did they talk about
1: other bodies in the same context
0: yeah oh there we go yeah the green ray body is what they call the astral body uh, what you see in seance when ectoplasm is furnished this is a lighter body uh packed more densely with life you may call this the astral body following some other teachings others have called this same body the etheric body however this is not correct in the sense that the etheric body is that body of gateway where an intelligent energy is able to mold the mind-body-spirit complex
1: well i see this as the body complex where you're looking at all the 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 energetic centers that associate themselves to a body yeah is those rings or concentric you know spheres um of our
2: of our whole body complex It's like levels or densities of experience, but more specific to the body that makes up the body complex as a whole. Yeah, and we know that red and
1: orange and yellow are the, the components of the physical body itself. And then there are green, blue, indigo, and violet bodies beyond that that are the rest of the body complex that might be what Ra is describing as more powerful and more dense.
0: Yeah. And I suppose they are unmanifest when we're in the third density illusion. Well, or are they manifesting
1: as the third density illusion? The physical body, third density body, is a manifestation of the energetic bodies.
0: We'll go back to this here. They say the yellow ray body is your physical vehicle as you know it, you know, of it at this time in in which you experience catalysts. This body has the mind-body-spirit characteristics and it's equal to the physical illusion, as you have called it. So I guess they're trying to distinguish, I think, between the 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 yellow ray physical body and the the etheric body here. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But it's a in 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 totality, it's a it's a body complex because in its whole, the body is this vehicle for the recording and experience of Of catalyst and whether that's in the physical or it's in the mind you know etc but the body as recording mechanism as opposed to the spirit yeah so I think of the soul as part of the body because it's there to collect karmic um,
0: wow yeah that's interesting yeah
1: yeah to me that's that's I've been seeing it that way for a while, correct or not, but it's the soul is just as much part of the body as the physical body is.
0: And you, you can see it leave, I guess, when somebody goes to sleep and,
1: and this question that you have here answers this. It's either this one, yeah, it's this one, or the one that you just pulled up that says, sure, the physical body dies, but in fact, the it's not even just a a mind spirit complex. You are still actually a mind-body spirit complex because you've actually only lost one aspect of your body complex, and yet still the soul body remains exactly as it is and that's why ross says in this one or the next one that that's where you get the clarity because you're no longer identified through the physical body and and now you're less attached to the illusion and so now you can um, basically react and respond to what's in the soul body which is which are your karmic incursions and deaths and all that
0: yeah all right I, I would like to jump through some more of these before we're out of time here um so is there any loss to the mind or spirit after this transition, which we call death? It was the very next question Don asked. Is there any loss to the mind or spirit after this transition, which we call death, or any impairment of either because of the loss of this chemical body that we now have? And Ross says, in your terms, there is a great loss of mind complex when the physical chemical body dies due to the fact that much of the activity of a mental nature of which you are aware during this experience of the space-time continuum is as much of a surface illusion as is the chemical body complex
1: i think that's the ego i'm just calling it out
0: <laughs> yeah yeah that makes sense
1: yeah and i know I ego with, with a big star that says everyone defines it differently but to me that's the part that sort of detaches the part that was most attached to space-time
0: yeah a surface illusion
1: yeah which is a really important way to look at the body as well. If you look at the physical body, which we mostly identify as hundred percent, it's it's more really just on the surface, literally of this ever present moment popping in and out of of existence. It's as surface as it can possibly get. It has it has virtually no depth. Actually, if you think of physical reality, the the uncertainty principle teaches us that that you know matter doesn't actually exist. The way that we tend to think about it through our perception so anyway i would just say that it's it's just very much at this event horizon of of reality but all the causal energies and the rest of the body that's actually manifesting it are uh, obviously existing outside of space and time or outside of space time anyway
0: yeah time space
1: yeah they might be it, it, they're certainly in time space to some degree whether they're entirely within time space or not
0: not sure so, continuing this, in other terms, nothing whatever of importance is lost, the character, or shall we say, pure distillation of emotions and biases or distortions and wisdoms, if, if you will, becoming obvious for the first time, shall we say, after death. Uh, these pure emotions and wisdoms and bias distortions being, for the most part, either ignored or underestimated during physical life experience. In terms of the spiritual, this channel is then much opened due to the lack of necessity for the forgetting characteristic of third density.
2: Kind of seems to further emphasize what you were saying, Andrew, there with it being the ego, because it's nothing of importance really on there. It's only important in the incarnation to work through. But as your total beingness, it's not.
1: Yeah, because then you're dealing with the pure emotions. And wisdom. So, so imagine, you know, experiencing your energetic body outside of space time and in time space instead. And so you're experiencing the totality of, of all the experiences that you've, that you've accumulated, you know, in one energetic body in one experience all at once, because you're, you know, now detached from from space time and um, whether or not that's entirely the higher self or as, as we've been talking about today, as you become more conscious in an incarnation, then you're, you play a more conscious role in this, this period here, but either way, you're going to go back and, and, evaluate these this accumulation of emotions. And so rather than perhaps seeing, and I'm not I'm not asserting this, but I'm not sure when to say we can see all across time, do we really see all events as the events that they were or are we really actually now experiencing things at more of an energetic um you know what the the pure energy of them was and so we're we're seeing just again this this energetic body and experiencing it in totality which is the effect of experiencing everything across time because these are all of our experiences as recorded in this one body, as opposed to like us literally looking at a big physical timeline, you know, where I see all the events that happen to me and I'm more identifying as a human being and separation and isolation. And all of that sounds very, very ego driven.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot to meditate on here with this. Um, what, what, what could these, um, these pure distillations of emotions and biases and distortions and wisdoms be that we overlook so often.
1: Yeah. Because they're a little bit less conscious, right? Our emotional reactions are often not, um, intentional at all. Really. They just arise. Whereas when they come up as reactions in our experience in space time, instead, in time space, we get to see the emotion itself and you know, as energy and and perhaps what may be some of the limiting beliefs or lack of forgiveness or something that underpins them are,
0: yeah, it's so funny how you know we can have so much attachment to certain events happening, and oh, I didn't get that job. I didn't get that. That success I had wanted, and then we learned such a huge lesson in the process. And it's like, you know, a higher self is just celebrating, like, "Oh, i yeah. never have to deal with that again." With so much you've gained, <laughs> right? It's it's all <laughs> excited doing yeah. and doing backflips on some yeah. of
1: our worst days. <laughs> it's like I'm crushing it. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about this last phrase? Can you unpack that?
0: So it's interesting. So the the question was originally, is there any loss to the mind or spirit after this transition? Um, And so they address the mind here, and then they address the spirit at that last little bit. In terms of the spiritual, when we die, this channel of the spiritual channel is much opened due to the lack of necessity for the forgetting characteristic of third density. Yeah,
1: because the third density body is, is gone, basically. So there is no forgetting characteristic.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. So I guess it's like the spirit that's just super focused on the the body that's very small, that's chemical, is now open to become that part of the form maker again and see or maybe feel from the vantage point of our higher self, of all of our nature beyond all incarnations.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. I mean, our investment in third density is, you know, why we're quote unquote trapped, you know, as they say in the illusion. So once we unplug from that, then it just makes perfect sense that, of course, our spiritual channel is going to be probably open to, you know, potentially the same extent as we were, as our awareness was dedicated and invested into the illusion, you know, that might have the opportunity to. flip-flop, and particularly if we happen to make some progress in this incarnation.
0: I would say I I have wondered if maybe that when we are wandering into a third density reality, if maybe the spirit in between lifetimes is still somewhat limited to the third density time space dimensions and is not jumping our our nature of our existence back up into the whatever native density we're coming from because we chose to have this limited um experience of the wandering
1: yeah i i could see that reflected in um them talking in different passages than what you pulled up today but something similar i think in that the those who come to assist you in the afterlife will depend somewhat on the level of consciousness that you've sort of gotten to there and that does call out the contextual nature that you were just bringing up to say that, it, you know, even in the life between lives, your, the presence and awareness and your level of consciousness is still going to be somewhat relative, I suppose, to what it was before an incarnation and, you know, having yeah. a symbol, what it could in an incarnation, but doesn't necessarily mean that you're instantly your very highest version of yourself, you know, right after any incarnation. Yeah. Also makes sense because they say, in another one that we're going to look at the nature of of how you die Will also inform or influence what that experience is going to look like, which again I think says that the continuum of consciousness um, that we punctuate so um, assertively with death—I uh, don't think is—you know, when they say it's a transition, I think it's—you know—it's—it's it's much more of a transition than than we realize, but yeah. not always to a to a great you know huge extent.
0: I was debating if we should skip this since we're low on time. The uh, sixty-nine session sixty-nine here we have we had some quotes about um, the, the the challenging situation that Carl Ruckert went into, where that she was almost lured by a negative being during her trance state that was not protected. She was trying to be lured out, um, and you know she would normally um, sort of be somewhat disconnected from her body during channelings with raw uh and this is a potentially dangerous state in certain rare cases that they were trying to talk about and so maybe maybe i could just read this one here they are talking about um the question was do i understand that death whether whether it's by natural means or accidental death or suicide all deaths of this type would create the same well i guess that was number four um did they talk about suicide in there no they okay. were just talking
1: about that here
0: okay so the question is do i understand that death whether it's by natural means or accidental death or suicide all deaths of this type would create the same after death condition where there's protection which would avail an entity to its protection from friends is this correct and ross says we presume you mean to inquire whether in the death experience no matter what the cause the negative friends are not able to remove an entity which is the case um in very rare circumstances this is correct largely this is correct largely because the entity without the attachment to the space-time physical complex is far more aware and without the gullibility which is somewhat the hallmark of those who love wholeheartedly so when you properly die you're no longer attached to that that lower aspect of the of the mind i guess
1: yeah there's a lot to unpack there though when you you know the gullibility of wholehearted love um i find that interesting that's an interesting word choice gullible yeah. is not
2: typically connotated as all that positive of an attribution oh, it seems like manipulative almost You can where you can be manipulated at that point too
1: yeah which by the way kabbalistically makes perfect sense because hesed and gebra you know exist as Polar opposite. so one being unconditional love, and the other one just being kind of justice or severity. So that you know is supported there, but just kind of interesting to call it out without any context.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, and I think Carl Ruckert have ta- has talked about this a lot. That there's a certain gullibility that benef- benefits a channeler because you're not trying to super hyper analyze the things that you're channeling. You're just you're just allowing it to flow without 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 putting up a a wall uh, yeah, without resistance yeah um and when there's no wall that could be called a dangerous state i suppose
1: you know it's also interesting is just to point out that Ra is not actually answering the question here i know that the line of questioning had to do with people who could take someone out of their you know consciousness if they're in a, a different state of consciousness but this question was actually really to say are your friends there no matter what you know no matter how you die um and maybe maybe that don was asking be, because he's inferring that are the are negative entities going to be there regardless which is how ross sort of interprets yeah. it. it has to do with negative friends but
0: it's not actually what what don asked um let's let me finish reading it here yeah. um however the death if natural would undoubtedly be the more harmonious um, and I assume that in, within that word, harmonious means that there are guides as usual. Um, the, the death by murder being confused, and the entity needing some time space in which to get its bearings, so to speak, and the death by suicide causing this necessity for much healing work, and shall we say, the making of a dedication to third density for the renewed opportunity of learning the lessons set by the higher self. So they're distinguishing between the different types of death here with the amount of healing I've, that's needed, but not necessarily by the amount of guides that are present.
1: Sure. And I found I found that whole statement there also completely fascinating, by the way, because they're they're sort of saying that there is no way of checking out of, of third density in in a higher conscious way. Like, there's no way that you could arrive at that decision to say, Oh, I'm done here, for example. Like, oh, you know, I've just, I've learned everything there is to learn. Like, you could think that you're as enlightened as possible. But then, as soon as you do that, thinking that you're on to the next plane, um, no, the mere act of taking yourself out of third density seems like, in um, all cases, means that you're going to have to go back.
0: There was a fascinating uh, story in uh, the, book miracle of love by ram das where uh there was an instance where somebody had like some blood vessels burst uh and uh and the the guru confirmed that this person had completed his his work uh, and the, and that the death was actually coinciding with his completion of dealing with all of his karma and moving on so why wow. I, I don't i don't know if it's 100% the case that a suicide is uh something that's happening and what they're talking about with suicide here
1: yeah that's a that's a really great point in fact is there any death that is not ultimately suicide (laughs) (laughs) i mean isn't that to put the cause of our death outside of ourselves or to abnegate responsibility for calling that lesson or those circumstances forth or or having not even signed up for it pre-incarnatively like isn't like if somebody if somebody dies as a as a child for example um, is born with with birth defects and and dies shortly afterwards um, you know at some level <laughs> given that that was signed up for um, sort of a, a pre-checking out but not being made from within the illusion obviously that decision being
2: made outside of the illusion yeah that's kind of fascinating yeah, Mike kind of turned that on its head from the way I was looking at it too, is something traumatic requires that much more time. So it's thinking back to like the uh, Maldek situation where they blew themselves up and they were tangled in this knot of fear from that traumatic situation. So it took much of that time-space teachings to even break out of that to be able to reincarnate again. But um yeah, Mike, that story you shared seems kind of contradict that, I guess, or possibilities at least. I guess
0: if you're if you're if you've truly finished your you're you're learning if you're learning 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 learning, you got nothing more and you're done
2: that, uh, that is also
0: what they talked about with the activation of intelligent infinity being something where it's not common for an entity to desire cessation of the physical complex but that is a possibility that once you realize i no longer need this body i'm done with it then you can just leave it and that is a thing that they that they described in the raw contact too
1: but it may not be suicide i yeah. mean you, you're not yeah. like yeah. if your third density body um you know, discontinues to materialize um, doesn't necessarily mean that it's it's been killed per se to be you know ended, but more that its learnings have been assimilated.
0: Yeah, I, I like that death is such a gray area. <laughs> yeah, and I love like, being killed.
1: Nathan, your reference to Maldic I think is also very helpful because the micro and the macro are. Um, so often reflective and so that could be seen as as um, a collective suicide and i mean ultimately kind of has to be for a planet that blows itself up that was effectively what it did
2: right yeah exactly i think what mike kind of pointed on there seems to make the most sense too it's depending on the progression i guess of the entity there if they're ready to move on or they've learned the lessons at that point that death can transition you into I guess I'd say a higher density, whereas in Meldek they were still very clearly learning their third density lessons when <laughs> exactly. that happened. But yeah. yeah, yeah, good point.
0: All right, so I guess we could wrap it up for today and just say that uh, it'll remain a little bit mysterious as to the nature of um, the spirit and the and the light that we're working with, always in these lesser appreciated aspects of our being, but we can continue to seek seek the light. And I guess we can we can stop it there.
1: Well, I sure do enjoy seeking the light with you guys.
0: Likewise.
2: yeah, I agree. It's fascinating discussions every single time. All right, take awesome. care. And Likewise, we'll open- thanks everyone
0: for joining. We can open it up now to chat a little bit with the attendees.